0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. Hey, what's up? And welcome back to the podcast, Glad. You're on with me today. I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day or night or afternoon to listen to this episode, and I'm very glad you're here because it's going to be a great episode because today uh, I'm going to be moving on to the next mentality of this series that I'm doing that I'm going to be developing into my first book, By God's Grace and Mercy, before the end of the year. And uh, so it's going to be a great episode today, because today I want to deal with the mentality of rejection, the mentality of rejection. It's going to be our second mentality that we're going to pick apart and break down from the Bible and understand from the Bible how we can be free and live free from these mentalities that I believe are hindrances to the body of Christ and hindrances to young believers And so if you haven't listened to my previous episodes on these mentalities, we began with victimhood, and that was broken down into two different parts, Uh, two separate episodes that are about an hour of teaching each. And we dealt with victimhood, seeing yourself as a victim, how to overcome those things from the Bible. And so if you haven't listened to those yet, I encourage you greatly to take some time and listen to those episodes. As well as this one that we're going to get into in a moment But I want to make it clear before we uh, open up the Bible today for our first point That the mentality of rejection, I'm not referring to um, relationship things I'm not referring to um, things of that nature This is going to be a spiritual podcast, spiritual episode And maybe you'll take some things away that will help you in different areas of life That I'm not... Exactly intending. But just to make it clear, the mentality of rejection, I want to approach this topic from a spiritual standpoint and understanding it from the Bible. And so I think it'll help you today, um, or tonight, or afternoon. Uh, (laughs) Interesting thing about podcasts is you can listen to it at any time of the day, any day of the week. Uh, One thing I think our generation loves about podcasts is that ability. And so, without further ado, we're going to jump right into the Word of God. But before we do, let me pray for you. Let me pray for everybody listening right now. So, join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for everybody on the podcast today. I thank you for your Word. I thank you, God, that you would anoint my mind, anoint my mouth, anoint my words as I speak from your Bible Father, I pray that you would give me the ability to rightly divide the word of truth today. I pray that people would receive teaching that they need. I thank you that people would be delivered maybe if they're struggling in this area of their life. I thank you, God, that your word brings freedom. I thank you that as people dive into your word, they receive revelation that allows them to go to a higher place in life and live free from things that maybe bother them and hold them down. So, Father, right now, I thank you that this is not a waste of time, that what we're doing right now is not a TED Talk. It's not an encouraging speech, but it is your word being preached in power and taught correctly. So, Father, I thank you for everybody on the podcast today. Bless them today through this episode. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So, Let's jump right into the Word of God today. If you have a Bible, if you listen to these episodes with a Bible, or if you're on your phone, you can even look at these scriptures from your phone. Um, It's amazing what technology can do, I know. Um, And so, the first scripture I want you to turn to, or if you just want to know where I'm getting this thought from, is the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 16. And so, Let's begin there today, and I have an ESV Bible. That's the Bible that I read out of and preach out of, and I study out of different uh, translations sometimes, but I really enjoy the ESV. It's uh, a translation that, for me personally, is the easiest to read. I think it flows uh, the best out of many of the English translations, and so I love it a lot. Um, So John 15, 16, and point number one. Point number one today with breaking the mentality of rejection is this. When God chooses you, no man can reject you. If you take notes, I'll say that one more time. When God chooses you, no man or no person can reject you. And I found that point from the scripture we're going to read now, John 15, 16. This is what the Bible says. This is actually Jesus speaking. By the way, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. I'm going to read that one more time. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I want to uh, excuse my voice if it's a little hoarse today. Uh, I'm recording this after coming back from a prayer meeting at our church. And when we pray, we pray like Pentecostals. Um, And so if my voice is a little scratchy, that's why. Um, But that's a really powerful verse and a really powerful statement that Jesus makes there in the Gospel of John. John 15, 16, because it allows you to have the understanding that we didn't choose ourselves, if especially if you're in the ministry, and even Christians, but God chose us so that we should have fruit and then our fruit should remain. I think many times, and something that we can understand from the Bible, is that people feel rejected because they look at themselves or perceive themselves by everything else but by the word of God but by how God himself views them. But when you begin to understand that your life, your calling, your destiny, who you are in God, really has nothing to do with you. But when God gets a hold of somebody's life, he can make that person whoever he wills them to be. God is a creator. God, the Bible says as an example, is like a potter with clay. And if you don't understand what that example means, a potter with clay was somebody, or is still somebody. There are still people that use uh, clay and pottery and things like that. Um, but a potter can form and fashion a, a piece of clay and make it whatever shape it wants it to be. They want it to be depending on what their use for it is. And so God's the same way with us. God <clears throat> makes us all different and all unique in our own ways, but ultimately who we are, what we'll do, where we'll go, what our destiny in God is, is up to God. And so many times people feel rejected because they're trying to make it on their own. They're trying to establish life by their own strength. They're trying to make decisions based on what they think is right. But the Bible makes it clear, you know, that many are the plans in a man's heart, um, but the end thereof is death. And so many times people just go through life And they never consult God. They never fast and pray about certain decisions that they should make. And then they wonder why, down the road, life isn't what they thought it would be. So not only do people fall into this trap of being rejected, but then trying to prove that they will be accepted, they make all of these rash decisions, and they don't really think about what they're doing, and they get themselves in this position where they cause all this damage because they didn't take time to realize that it's really God who establishes your way and orders your steps. It's really God that forms you into the person that you should be. And many times people don't like who they are because it's not who God wanted them to be in the first place. Many times people reject themselves, and it's because they allowed themselves to become this person that they thought would be appealing to the world, would be attractive to the world. And then through that really fruitless, empty, vain desire to be approved by people, they became this person that they never wanted to be, and they became a person that God never wanted them to be. And so number one, with this um, breaking the mentality of rejection, understand that when God chooses you, no man can reject you. Many people live their entire life uh, striving and living for the approval of people. You know, our entire world, especially my generation, and even uh, older people will understand this now. But everything you can see, everything through social media generation and what's uh, set before your eyes and what's appealing, everything's about being approved by people. Everything's about <clears throat> what can I do to make myself more attractive? What can I do to make myself um, more popular, more appealing, more likable. And that must be a very empty, heartbreaking way to live your life. When you live your entire life trying to strive for the approval of man, but you never get it. And no matter how much money you make, no matter how much... Um, our, our My generation would use the word clout. And I really don't even know what that word means, but I kind of know what it means. It just means um, kind of like prestige or um honor I guess or in a way but everybody is looking to buy the newest pair of sneakers everyone's looking to buy the nicest jacket or the nicest uh, brand or whatever it is you know there's so many things and I'm kind of out of the loop with it all but our generation and I'm speaking now specifically to younger people you can understand even if you're young that the entire world system the entire uh, social media generation, all of these things are geared and designed to make you want to be approved by people. And really, that's such an anti Bible um, thing. And it's something that the enemy uses to discourage young people. I mean, you can, I don't, I don't have the specific statistics in front of me, but suicide and depression and anxiety and panic attacks and nervous breakdowns, all of these things are running rampant through younger demographics right now. And not just in the last year and a half with COVID and 2020 and all that stuff, but even before then, researchers were finding that younger people were coming to a point where they felt hopeless. I mean, suicide rates are higher now on younger demographics than they ever have been before. And to me, I believe it's because of this genera- of this society and this culture that has been designed to make you want to be approved by people. And so I can understand and my heart grieves for younger people that have this insecurity within themselves and they feel rejected. They feel uh, cast aside and put away. They feel like no one hears them. No one sees them. No one really cares about who they are. And that grieves my heart because I don't want my generation to go through life Or maybe even take their own life before, um, you know, through suicide and things like that. Because no one ever told them that life is not about who the world says you are. That life is not about what you look like in the mirror. Life is not about what you can buy. Life is not about status. Life is not about what really uh, materialistic things. And those are all the things that the world is shoving down our throats each and every day. And so understand, number one, and I'm going to move on to point number two. But number one, if you take notes for these, when God chooses you, no man can reject you. If you feel called into ministry, I'll say this before we move on. If you feel called into ministry and you feel as though you have a strong desire to be in full-time ministry and go to Bible college, and maybe you want to be an evangelist and travel, maybe you want to be a pastor, a youth pastor, whatever it might be, and you have that desire within you and you feel as though God has chosen you and anointed you to do that thing. But then when you share your dreams with people, even if it might be family members, I don't know your story, but there'll be people along the way that will discourage you, make you feel like you can't do something. I mean, I remember, obviously I'm not going to say who the person this person was specifically, and it wasn't uh, like a family member or anything like that. But I remember sharing a desire with somebody that I knew that I wanted to travel and be in full-time evangelistic ministry, um, you know, about almost two years ago now. And when I said that, when I said it, they began to almost laugh and they began to um, say things like, well, you know, I don't know if you have the ability to do that right now. Nobody's calling you. I don't think any pastor right now would want to have you into their church and, you it's not realistic, it's not this, it's not that, you know? And so there will always be those kinds of people when you feel called to do something for God that the devil will send your way to discourage you, make you feel small, make you feel rejected, make you feel like you can't do what God has called you to do. But once a thought, and it's just the first point for today, but it's very freeing, is that when God chooses you, when God places his anointing on your life, no man, no system, no agenda, No, whatever, nobody on the earth can stop what God has set in motion with your life. And so be encouraged today. Your life is not all up to you. You don't have the pressure of the world on your shoulders, no. But God is just looking for your obedience and your yes to say, God, I know it doesn't seem realistic. I know in the natural, it's not the smartest thing to do. I know on paper, it would be smarter for me to go to a secular university and study, a secular degree and become a businessman or whatever it might be. In the natural, that looks like the best decision. But God, I choose based on your word, based on my prayer life, based on what you've spoken to me, to pursue that calling on my life with everything I have. And I'll I'll leave everything behind me. I'll leave my friends, my family, my home, everything I've ever known, I'll leave it all to pursue you because I love you. And I know that if you're with me, then no man can reject me. I know that if you've sent me, nobody can send me back. And so when you get to that place in your life, you'll watch, I mean, you just begin to obey God, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, what the Lord is leading you to do. And let me tell you something, you'll be shocked, you'll be amazed at what God will open up for you to do in your life. I mean, I can remember when God called me to launched an evangelistic ministry in, in March, really, of 2020, when COVID was just breaking out, and it was just the beginning stages of this crazy world that we're now living in, and I felt the Lord very clearly speak to me that He wanted me to launch into evangelistic ministry and travel and preach to the lost and see people saved and preach to young people, preach youth camps. And listen, I had nobody calling me. I had no pastors on my phone, you know, wanting me to go and do meetings. I had just graduated Bible college and I was serving at my parents' church, but I knew what the Lord had told me to do. And it didn't take me calling people and begging for things to open up. But just as I began to pray, just, begin, just as I began to believe God and believe that what he said was true, it was like, One day I'll just be praying in the Holy Ghost in my bedroom or whatever and driving in my car praying and a pastor that I've never met before doesn't know my family would text or call and organize something and there'd be something that popped up here and there and you know I wasn't taking over the world yet but it was just a slow and steady revealing to me of what God was wanting me to do. And so whatever it is that you feel called to do and I'm going to move on now in in a moment don't feel as though people can stop what God has called you to do. You know, maybe your story is you want to go to Bible college, but your parents are very like pro-education and they want you to get um, a degree in business or whatever, architecture, you know, whatever it is. And they value education so much that they are really against you going to Bible college and studying for the ministry. And they say things like, well, how are you going to make any money doing that? And how is that going to be livable? And. How are you going to be able to support a family one day? And all of those thoughts, even if it's from your own parents, they're really discouraging thoughts sent to keep, like suppress you and keep, make you feel like you can't do what God's calling you to do. Be encouraged today from the Bible and from me telling you that when you obey God and when God really has placed an anointing on your life and God really has chosen you and set you apart for the work of the ministry, God will make it happen for you. It may not seem like it right now, In the natural, it might seem like the craziest thing you could ever do. And trust me, I've been there too. But understand something. God will open the doors for you. God will give you the words to speak when the time comes. God will give you the finances and the things you need in order to sustain a ministry life. And you'll have a powerful ministry. I believe that for your life. And so I wanted wanted to make that clear uh, for number one. When God chooses you, no man can reject you. I mean, that's a thought right there that you should remember for the rest of your life. When God chooses you, no man can reject you. And so I want to go to point number two now. And we're going to find my second point in John chapter one. John chapter one, one of the most revelatory and powerful um, chapters in the Bible, in my opinion. And I want to read a verse that might be strange to you. It might be um, something that you've never seen before. And this was something that in Bible college, I remember my, my first year in Bible college, I read this verse and I felt the Lord speak to me very strongly in, um, and minister to me out of this verse. And it's a very peculiar, unique verse. And when I read it, you might be um, confused as to why I'm reading this verse, but let's read it. It's John 1 in the 48th verse. So almost to the end of the chapter, the Bible says this, John 1, 48. Well, oh, excuse me, let's begin in verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. That's Jesus speaking to to Nathanael. So let's read that again. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. When I read that in Bible college, Again, like I said, you, you might be kind of confused as to why I'm reading that with this topic today. But I remember reading that in Bible college and thinking to myself, how wonderful that is. That in the story, Jesus is selecting disciples here. Jesus is choosing people that will be his disciples. And um, many times, I'll say I'll just say this first, number two, the number two point I want to make for today's episode is don't identify your choosing with man. And I say that because Nathaniel, his initial response to what Jesus said when he saw him was, how do you know me? And his assumption was that because Philip was called by Christ, that Nathaniel was kind of just clumped in and thrown in together with when Jesus called Philip. But I love how Jesus made the clarification and the distinction that before Philip saw you, I saw you. Before Philip saw you, I saw you. And this ministered to me in Bible college because, and I, I believe it will for a lot of people that are listening right now, because I come from a ministry family. You know, my, my family has been in ministry for generations, and my grandfather was a great pastor and preacher, and all my uncles, all of my cousins, all of my siblings, all full-time ministry, all have powerful, unique gifts, either preaching or leading worship or on a staff full-time somewhere at a church. And growing up, I had this tendency to think to myself, you know, like, why does God need me? And I had this thing, almost like Nathaniel, where he almost tried to identify who he was in his choosing with another person, another minister, another uh, person that was close to him. And he thought, well, you know, Jesus only wants me because I know Philip. But I love how Jesus made the distinction that it wasn't because of his relationship or proximity to Philip, but it was because Jesus saw something personally in Nathaniel that was unique to him and specific to him. And so for me, I had to come to that realization and I did my first year of Bible college because even though I went to Bible college, there was a lot of things I didn't understand. Even though I was pursuing the call of God in my life and I knew God had called me, There were so many things I needed to learn about myself and who God wanted me to be as a young man of God. And I'm still learning every day and I still study and there's things I learn every day. But one thing that I think will help you a lot is don't identify your calling, your choosing, your acceptance with a person. Because when you do that, you have a tendency to examine yourself and feel insignificant, to feel like you can't offer something that's valuable. But understand something, when Jesus calls you, he calls you because of you. Not because of your family, not because of where you come from, not because of your race or anything like that. No, God, Jesus, when he calls people to serve him and be in the ministry and to do things for him, he calls you because there's something specific about who you are that's valuable to him. There's something specific about how you interact with people, how you speak, how you conduct yourself, that God says, you know, there's something unique about this individual that I can use for my glory. And so as you develop that personal relationship with God, you'll become more aware and understanding of what that specific thing is. I don't know what that thing is. Again, I can't tell you. I say it a lot, but I can't tell you what you're called to do. I don't know the dreams that are in your heart. I don't know what Bible college maybe the Lord's speaking to you to go to. I don't know any of those things, but what I do know and what I can tell you as a word of advice from the Bible and with dealing with this subject of rejection and dealing with it is that once you identify your calling— with a personal relationship with Christ Jesus, and you say, God, thank you that you've reserved me for this period of time on the earth for a reason. Thank you, God, that my life is valuable. Thank you, God, that my gifts are valuable. Thank you, God, that you're opening doors specifically for me, not because of someone on the earth, not because of where I come from, but God, I thank you that you're opening doors for me because you love me personally, because you have something unique for me personally. And when you begin to understand those things and pray that way, you'll never deal with that kind of rejection because God will never reject you. And so if you try to identify your calling with a person, you will feel rejected. You will will feel less than. Why? Because you're comparing yourself to someone else. You're comparing your gifting to someone else. Nathaniel was comparing himself in that moment to Philip. But Jesus said, no, wait a minute. I'm not saying it was because of your proximity to Philip. I'm not saying it was because of your relationship with Philip. No. But when I saw you, I saw you before Philip ever saw you. And that's something you have to grasp for yourself in your spirit. That what you are, who you are, what you're going to do for the Lord, it's something that God has reserved specifically and uniquely for you. Your personal identity. And maybe... And I'm going to deal with this in later points. But you need to find out who you are. You need to find out who you are in Christ and then live that out fully every single day. Because one thing that I think is a huge problem in our generation, and I I always say that, but I know there's people that are older that listen to these as well. Older people deal with this. Older people go through their whole life and they never understand this. But people don't even know who they are. People don't know their identity. People don't know their role in the body of Christ. And that must be the most frustrating. And I know it is because I've been there. My teenage years, my early Bible college years, I didn't know. I didn't know specifically what God wanted me to do, who I was, things like that. But as you begin to find those things out, it unlocks a freedom in you where you just believe in yourself and you have a confidence and a self-confidence because you know that God has reserved you for something specific And that you don't do it in your own strength, but the Spirit of God gives you the ability to do it effectively and with success, and you'll have fruit in your life. And so, number two, don't identify your choosing with man. Number one was, when God chooses you, no man can reject you. Number two, don't identify your choosing with man. And so, I'm going to move on to point number three. I have seven points for today, if you're wondering. So, point number three. I want to find this in the life of Gideon. The life of Gideon, which is in Judges. Judges chapter 6, specifically, is where I'm going to be reading from. And, uh, interesting, because the first podcast I ever put out, um, on these, um, episodes, I read from this portion of scripture, and I love this. I love, uh, Judges 6 right here, where God calls Gideon. Um, because I was dealing with calling in that episode um, for younger people. I mean, you, know, you feel young and you're called, now what? And so, getting is a great place to go in the Bible when dealing with how God chooses people. And I know this episode is about rejection, but I'm not really dealing with the harsh aspects of rejection. I think we all know what those things feel like. I'm going to break this down and break the mentality through choosing, because... God's all about choosing. God's all about um, choosing people that will be useful for him in his kingdom. And so the way you go about defeating rejection is you understand you're chosen and you understand how God chooses. And so let's find out a different point, uh, our third point for today, which is refuse to see yourself the way people will choose to see you as. Refuse to see yourself the way people will choose to see you as. And we're going to find that in Judges chapter 6. And I want to begin reading my voice, man. I want to begin reading in verse 11. Uh, Verse 11, the Bible says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord was, is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Then he, And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Here's the key part of this text we're reading from. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Verse 18. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. I want to read the key verse of that text one more time. Verse 15 and 16. And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I really love that story, and I specifically love those two verses, because think of this in the life of Gideon, that Gideon is working. The Bible says he's beating Um. Beating the wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And so, before the angel of the Lord, which is a representation of Christ in his Old Testament appearance, before he even appears to him to give him this word that he's going to give him, Gideon's already working and he's already doing things that God wants him to do. That's something that's key. To understand from this passage, is that the reason God appeared to Gideon is because he was already working and doing the things that he needed to do for God's people. And so when the Lord, the angel of the Lord, finds Gideon and speaks to him, he calls him a mighty man of valor before Gideon ever steps foot on a battlefield, before Gideon ever steps foot to do fight wars for God, before any of those things even take place, God appears to Gideon and calls him a mighty man of valor, someone that will be used by him to do great things. And I love that about God, because obviously we understand God knows the beginning from the end. God knows how our lives will pan out before they ever begin. And so God knows who Gideon will be. God knows who Gideon is in that very moment that though Gideon hasn't fought a battle yet, though Gideon hasn't taken up a sword and done all these things that he's going to be asked to do, God knew right then and there before Gideon ever did anything that he was the man for the job. And then you see the human response that's relatable. People maybe not Gideon for it, but it's relatable and it's human. It's a human response to when God places that kind of massive calling on your life and Gideon's like, Lord, how are you going to use me? I'm from the tribe of Manasseh, which is the least, the weakest tribe in Israel during that time. And then, not just that, but I'm the weakest in my own father's house in the weakest tribe. And so Gideon has this mentality of rejecting himself. And that's something you have to understand from this episode, is many people reject themselves before they even get a chance to begin. Before God even has the chance to use them in a great way, they reject themselves before they even get a chance to start. And I don't want that to be your story. I don't want that to be something that you deal with. That there's so many things that God has in store for you. There's so many thing that, things that God wants to use your life to do. But before you can even get a chance to do it, you reject yourself and say, "Ah, I can't do it. I'm not that kind of person. I don't have the personality for it. And it's kind of a similar thing to the victimhood mentality that we broke down a couple days ago and uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but if you live your life thinking that way, you severely limit what God can do through you. And so when dealing with rejection, not only do you have to resist rejection from people, but the most crucial one—oh, there's an airplane. If you can hear that, I live in... A military area, and so there's a plane. But um, one thing you have to understand is not only will people reject you, not, not only will outside forces reject you, but almost always the person that rejects us the most we see in the mirror every single day when we wake up in the morning. You have this thing inside, and maybe it's just me, but I, I believe most people deal with it, where you feel inferior. You feel like you can't do something. You feel like you don't have the natural ability or the charisma or the person, whatever it is, and you reject yourself like Gideon tried to do. But understand the response from God today in the story and forevermore. God says, But I will be with you. But I will be with you. And again, if God is for you, if God is on your side, if God is fighting your battles for you, if God is with you when you go to preach or lead worship or start a a Bible club in your high school. If God is with you, tell me who can be against you. If God's fighting your battles, tell me who can triumph over our God. There's nobody greater. There's no man. There's no preacher. I don't care if they have 10 million followers and they have. They're, they're reaching other planets because of how <laughs> impactful their reach is. It doesn't matter. If God chooses somebody, nobody can reject Him. And if God is with you, you'll never lose. If God is fighting for you, God has never suffered a defeat. And He will not begin with you. He will not begin with your life. And so understand that today. God is with you. God is with you. And you'll never be rejected because... Once God chooses you, no man can reject you. Hallelujah. You have to refuse to see yourself the way people will choose to see you as. Understand something. The way people see you is their problem. The way people see you is their problem. It's not your problem. It's not something you have to carry and deal with. It's not something that should cause you trouble. It's not something that should bring you pain and make you feel less than or small or whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Let people think what they're going to think. You know, the Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. You know why? Because if you're not doing something where people will criticize what you're doing or say that you should do it this way or say that you should do something completely different, it's because a lot of times it's from jealousy. A lot of times it's because they're intimidated by you and your success, even if you're young. And so many times people will come against your life, not because they don't think you're called or anointed, but because they do think you're called or anointed, but because of their own insecurity, they're intimidated by you. And so, who cares what people think? Who cares what people say behind your back or even to your face? It doesn't matter. You know, there's a saying, I'm trying not to mess it up, so let me think about it. But it says that the people that care don't matter, and the people, no wait, the people that matter don't care, And the people that don't matter will care or something like that. I'm messing it up. I'd have to look that up. But the point is the point being that people that are encouraging you and helping you, they're not going to criticize you and reject you. So the ones that you need to focus on are the ones that are for you. Focusing on who's for you, not who's against you. Focusing on the God that's for you, not the people that are, are against you. And so as you're young, as you're pursuing the call of God on your life, as you're attempting to do what God's called you to do, don't see yourself as people will choose to see you as. That's their problem. That's their issue. They can deal with it. They can, you know, think whatever they want to think about you. They can think whatever they want to think about what you do or what you preach. But your ministry, who you are, what you do, how you walk out your Christian life is between only you and God. That's it people it doesn't matter and I'm not saying don't receive correction if you're out of order or in rebellion from a spiritual authority or your parents I'm not saying that at all I'm not saying be rebellious but I'm saying the people that come against you and you're doing right you're obeying the word you're um preaching correctly you're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing and then they still reject you and criticize you who cares man let it just fall off your back you know it doesn't matter don't dwell on it and think about it and wonder why they think that and you know, and then you try to change who you are to make yourself more appealing to them. It's a huge mistake. you know, what can I say to make them like me? How can I change my style to make them like me? Maybe I should uh, joke around less so that they think I'm more serious and you know all this stuff and let me tell you something, you'll never be happy living your life that way. Your life will just be this constant cycle of, Feeling like you have to prove yourself to everybody. And that's not what God wants for you. It's not what the Bible wants for you. It's not what I want for you. And so, refuse to see yourself the way people will choose to see you as. And understand, if God's with you and God's for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. And this leads perfectly into my next point. Because I want to go to Romans 8.31 to read to you a verse from Romans um, that says this better than I can. Uh, Romans 8.31. Hope this you're enjoying this so far. Hope this is helping somebody. Uh, Romans 8.31, Paul says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And that's all I'm going to read, just that one verse. Because the fourth point I want to make for today's episode on breaking the mentality of rejection is exactly that. Don't focus on what's against you. Focus on who is for you. People spend so much time and energy and mental capacity in their thoughts on the people that talk behind their back, the people that think that their ministry is this or their ministry is that or um, so many things that just don't matter and people spend so much of their time and their effort on things that don't matter Let me tell you something who you are in god what you're gonna do for god It's between you and god and I know I might be trying like repeating myself a little bit here with these um, points three and four But I really feel to drive that home That who you are Is about who god has spoken to you how, how god has spoken to you in prayer about what you're gonna do And things like that. Don't be intimidated by people's opinions. Don't be intimidated by people rejecting you. It doesn't matter. And it's funny that this is something we're talking about, about breaking the mentality of rejection, when really it's don't care about what people think (laughs) and care about what God says and care about what the Bible says about you. And you're already ahead of the game. And so I don't feel to dwell on that for too long because I feel like we covered it uh, pretty good in point three. But let's go to point five, and I like this part a lot. I like, these, um, I like this scripture we're going to go to to read, to um, demonstrate these points. I want to go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 32, and I want to show you something from the life of Jacob um, that I think is powerful when it comes to identity and when it comes to understanding who you are in God and who God has called you to be. And dealing with rejection as well, because, you know, from the life of Jacob, uh, we can understand that he dealt with rejection. And really the beginning of when we meet Jacob and all of those things, um, it was always about choosing and rejection, you know, between him and his brother Esau. And I, you know, Jacob was called a deceiver and he was a trickster and mischievous and things like that. And the way he went about receiving the blessing from his father obviously wasn't uh, ideal, but there is something that God loved in Jacob about how Jacob pursued the blessing and how Jacob pursued who he was. And that's what I want to show you today, not in the story of when he tricks um, Isaac to give him the birthright instead of Esau, but I want to go to Jacob wrestling with the angel and God changing his name. And so let's read in Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. Genesis 32, beginning in verse 22. The Bible says, The same night he arose and took his two wives, his female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the fort of the Jabok, or Jabuk, I don't know. <laughs> verse 23, he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. So that's one thing about identity, because understanding the story, Jacob's about to receive a new identity, and you can't get it when you have all these things around you. Almost always, and this was it was this way for me, and I think it would be this way for you as well. You find your identity in personal dedication and prayer time. Isolation, being alone with God. And allowing God to speak to you. I don't care if you have to fast and pray for 7 days, 14 days. You know, whatever you got to do. Lock yourself in a closet (laughs) and don't eat anything. And pray in the Holy Ghost until you hear God clearly tell you who you are. There are some things you have to do and sacrifice to get that. You know, whether it's turning off your phone, getting off social media for a few weeks. You know, I don't know what that might be for you. But one thing we can find from the life of Jacob in this story is you have to get to a place where you're personally encountering God in a way where he can personally speak to you specifically about who you are. And so let's keep reading, but I wanted to pause there and mention that. Uh, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, He touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Again, there's Jacob's tenacity and desire to be blessed right there, that he refused to let go until this man, who's really an angel of the Lord, um, blessed him. And so that's something admirable from Jacob's life that we see a lot. Um, verse 27, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. So interesting, huh? That in this story, the question after Jacob refused to let this man, that's actually an angel, go in wrestling all night throughout the night into the breaking of day, that the first question that the angel asked, angel of the Lord asked is, what is your name? So he's going right to identity. He's going right to the root of who Jacob is, quote unquote, Jacob, because he's going to show him that the name that he gives originally is not who he really is. And I love this because it's perfect for understanding identity. And he said, Jacob, verse 28, then he said, your name, your identity Shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Hallelujah. So... When dealing with rejection, I I don't know, like when I was studying this topic and uh, the places that we should go in the Bible to uh, break it down, almost always it centered to identity and God choosing you. And so with Jacob here, Jacob's name, if you don't know, means deceiver. And obviously he made that name uh, pretty evident and lived out to that potential of that name with how he received the blessing from his brother Esau. Oh, not from his brother Esau, but um, from his father Isaac and uh, tricked Esau into giving it to him through giving him the bowl of beans and all of that kind of stuff. But here, God changes his identity through um, giving him a new name. And so that's something, again, that's so crucial and understanding how to break this mentality of rejection, and so, uh, if you ta- if you take notes, the fifth point and the sixth point are both in this text that we're reading. Um, the fifth point is pursue your identity, and I'll and I'll uh, talk about that for a little bit. Pursue your identity. Many people don't even place any desire on pursuing who they are. You know, they just go through life, go through the motions. And never truly understand who they are, why they're on the earth, why you know what tasks uh, God wants them to accomplish while they're on the earth, and it's very sad that there are people that will live their whole life and they never set aside time with God, personal prayer time, reading the Word to pursue who they are in God. And so, number five, the fifth point for today's episode on the podcast today. Is pursue your identity, whatever it is. Again, I can't tell you what your identity is. Um, I can't explain that to you. I'm not God. But what I can encourage you with from the Bible today is pursue it. And again, if that means you have to uh, shut yourself out from the world for a little while, if you need to fast and pray for 21 days or uh, whatever it is, get close to God, put on preaching for hours and hours a day. I love doing that. Um, You know, instead of watching Netflix for 17 hours a day, why not put on your favorite preacher and listen to him for 17 hours a day and get the word pumped into your spirit and be encouraged and uh, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and understand what the Lord's trying to speak to you. Get a notepad out and a pen or nowadays um, an iPhone or an iPad or whatever and just be in meditation for a bit. You know, try to understand and hear what God is speaking to you and then write it down and practice hearing the voice of God. And let me tell you something. If you apply those principles while you're young, you'll be way ahead of the game, man. You'll be way farther than most people are in their early 20s or even early 30s. And you'll be able to get things rolling way faster because you have more clear direction on what god wants you to do and then when you have that clear direction you won't suffer frustration and uh annoyance because you know you're trying so hard you're pushing so hard you have so much zeal for god but it seems like everything that you apply your hand to do and give effort to it doesn't work out for you there's no success in it well that's because most of the time people just do things to do things and they don't pray and seek God's direction about what specifically God wants for them to do. But once you have that, and once you understand your purpose and calling, then you have the freedom to go full force into what God wants you to do. It's like the Bible says, um, you know, write the vision and make it plain, that those that read it may run. And so when the vision's plain, when you have a clear picture of, of what to do, that's when you have the acceleration to run after and pursue with everything you have what God wants for your life. It's a very uh, frustrating place to be in life when you have like 17 different things that you think could be possible options. And now it's like Russian roulette and you just got to decide which one to do. And you don't know exactly which one God wants for you. And it's very confusing. It's very frustrating because you have all these options, but no clear direction. Um, I would recommend a book by Kenneth Hagan. And if you don't know who Kenneth Hagin is, uh, you need to. He's an awesome, he, or he was, he's in heaven now. He was an awesome faith preacher and wrote a lot of great books. Uh, but there's a book by him called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And in that book, he talks about how at the beginning of every year, he'll pray and fast and ask the Lord clearly for direction about what uh, direction he wanted the minister to go in. And that after he received that plan from God, he would go after it. Um, but many people, through their zeal and excitement and their fervency, go after something without understanding the plan of what God wants for them to do. And uh, I'm not trying to criticize people that are doing things for God. Um, I don't like doing that. I, I never feel right doing that. Um, but you have to understand specifically what God wants for you to do. Because if God's called you to youth pastor, but you're trying to open up a homeless shelter and feed the hungry, and then you wonder why you can't get a building to do that, and you don't understand why, uh, I don't know, you haven't met your spouse yet, or, or something like that. Well, it's because... You're not in the right place and you're not doing the right thing. And so one thing uh, Kenneth Hagin talked about in that book is that he was a traveling evangelist while he was a young man and uh, he was struggling. He, he couldn't get things going. Um, there was no breakthrough in his meetings and things like that. But then he felt the Lord speak to him to not be an evangelist as much as be a teacher of the word of faith. And he said that once he heard that from God, and then began to just teach for hours and hours. I mean, he would teach sometimes three, four hours at a shot, teach from the Bible, teach faith, and all this stuff. Then he talks about how that broke through his ministry, and just from him teaching, people were getting set free, people were getting delivered, people getting saved in in his meetings, and that broke through for his ministry as a young man. And so... It's funny, isn't it? Because he wasn't doing something wrong. He wasn't in sin. He wasn't um, robbing banks. He was preaching the gospel. He was doing the work of an evangelist. But he talks about in that book, and you should read it, um, how there's a lot of things you could do, but there's only one thing you should do. And you find out that one thing you should do by personal time spent in prayer and seeking the direction and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And so... Find out what that thing is, whatever you have to do. And maybe you already know, and that's wonderful, and you should just go after it now. But many times, people don't know. And if you don't know, you need to know. Fast, pray, put on preaching, uh, meditate upon the Word of God, be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and find out what God wants you to do and pursue your identity. Because though you may have been born Jacob, God doesn't want you to finish as Jacob. You know what I mean? Though you might be have, have been born a deceiver, God wants to finish your life as the prince of God, someone that uh, strove with God and prevailed. And so God changes your identity when you find out who you are in him. And so that's number five, pursue your identity. And then number six, the sixth point from the same text that we're reading from is claim who you are. Claim who you are. And so I want to deal with that from that from that text because it wasn't like when Jacob's heard that his name was going to be changed to Israel that he was like, well, you know, Jacob was the name that my mother Rebecca gave me and I feel as though that's my name and I don't care what you say, that's my name. No, as soon as uh, the Lord changed Jacob's name in that moment, from that moment on, Jacob was not was like, hey, don't call me Jacob anymore. I'm Israel now. And he claimed it and he lived it out. And so not only do you have to pursue your identity and find out who you are, but then once you find it out, live it and believe it and have the confidence of who you are every single day. Don't feel ashamed by who you are. Don't feel ashamed by what God's called you to do, but... Be encouraged and love and be thankful and grateful for what God's called you to do and who He's called you to be. And you'll never feel that rejection because once you have that personal inner peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction of who God has made you to be, you won't care if people reject you. You won't care if people criticize you because their opinions don't matter and you claim who you are because you pursued your identity. Uh, Through prayer and fasting and sacrificing Whatever you had to do To find out who you were So that's number five Pursue your identity And then number six Claim who you are That's number six And so I want to close today's episode I want to close today's episode By reading out of Revelation chapter 2 In verse 17 And so if you're still with me I want you to turn And find with me Revelation in the second chapter, in the 17th verse. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. The seventh point for today, the final point for this section of the mentalities, and specifically the mentality of rejection, is number seven, live for eternity. Live for eternity. And I want to find that in Revelation 2, 17. Revelation 2.17, the Bible says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. And then here's the key part of the verse. And I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Let's read that one more time together. Revelation 2.17, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone. A new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So closing today's episode and the final point, the seventh point of breaking the mentality of rejection is, Live for eternity. I wanted to mention this at the end because, first of all, if you live for eternity and you place your values on things that have eternal value, you'll, you'll like jump right over rejection because this world, though you have a task, though you have a mission, though you have goals, though there are things that God wants to use you to do while you're on the earth, You have an understanding that this world and where you are now, this uh, present time and you being in a physical body, you know, it will come and go. Time will pass, but there's an eternity to to gain. And so it's interesting in that scripture that the Bible mentions that the people that um, conquer, God will give a stone a white stone with a new name written on it. And so people get so concerned with who they are on the earth. People get so concerned with who they're born as, what color their skin is, uh, what place in the world they were born, whatever. So many things in the physical and the natural realm that people focus on uh, when it comes to who they are. And I'm not saying to be ashamed of who you were born as or things like that. But what I am saying is this life that we're living right now, it's not all there is. But there's an eternity waiting for us and that in eternity, God will give us a new name and that God will reward us for what we conquered and did while we were on the earth. And so don't place all of your hope in this present world. Don't live your entire life just focusing on what you can achieve and build. And I'm not saying don't be... um, striving for excellence and doing things, but build up things that have eternal value. Don't place all of your energy and time trying to build things that will ultimately come to ruin and destruction and not be of value to you and not be of value to God. But as you live your life, live your life with the idea that I'm doing everything I can while I'm on the earth. I'm doing everything I can for God and obeying him every step of the way, but I know one day in heaven, all of these things will pass, all of these things will fade away, and I choose to live my life and build things that have eternal value and that will never fade away. That, to me, is a thought that will help anybody overcome rejection. When you really begin to live out that principle of living for eternity and understanding that there's so much greater and so much more on the other side of life than this present life. And again, this is a thought that goes way, way against modern culture and modern society and who the world wants people to be and who the world is speaking to young people of as who they should be. But once you come to that realization, man, that life is more than what you see. Life is more than getting a job and going to college and getting married and raising kids and not that any of those things are bad. They're wonderful. They're great. But to me, there's an emptiness to that when you think, is that all there is? Is that all life is? Is just working and trying to uh, waste time and not think about um, the reality of what life is? You know, I I don't want to live my life that way. And And any Christian shouldn't live their life that way, but you need to live for eternity. Live with the mindset that I'm going to get as many people saved because that will last for eternity. I'm going to preach to as many people as I possibly can because the effects of that will last for, for eternity. But don't put yourself in this place where you're trying to gather up all of these eggs into this one basket. And then when the time comes for you to be raptured or Or pass away, and then you realize that all of your time, all of your effort, your entire life was spent building something that didn't really matter at all. I don't want that to be your story. I want you to be able to say that you lived for eternity, and then when you get to eternity, God will give you a new name. God will give you a brand new identity that's even better. And uh, the Bible says that no man will know that name except you and God. And I don't know. I find that very interesting and powerful that the Bible says that about our identity in heaven and how things will be so much different once we're there. Um, And so I want to run through these points today as we're coming to the end of this episode on breaking the mentality of rejection. Number one, when God chooses you, no man can reject you. Number two, Don't identify your choosing or your calling with man or people. Number three, refuse to see yourself the way people will choose to see you as. Number four, don't focus on what's against you, but focus on who is for you. Number five, from the life of Jacob, pursue your identity. Number six, claim who you are. And then finally, number seven, we just finished it, live for eternity. And so let's pray together. Father, right now, I thank you for the time spent in the word today on the podcast. I thank you, God, that people received the word. I thank you that it encouraged somebody. I thank you that it helped somebody. Father, I thank you that nobody listening to this episode right now, nobody praying with me right now, will deal with the spirit of rejection and this mentality of being rejected one moment longer. I thank you, God, right now that there will be deliverance and testimonies in people that have come to the realization that they don't have to feel rejected one moment longer because of the efforts put into this podcast today. I thank you, God, that your word shall always produce fruit and bear fruit. I thank you that your word cannot return unto you empty or void, but it must accomplish the thing that it was sent to do. Father, I thank you that your word is active, your word is alive, your word is able to do everything that it says it can do. I thank you, God, that you're alive today. I thank you for all of my friends that are listening to me right now, and I pray all of this, and I seal it all, In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Awesome. Amen. Well, this is the second mentality. I believe this will just be one part. So I'm not going to do two parts like I did with victimhood. Uh, That was a little more in-depth. And so this was a one-parter on rejection and breaking the mentality of rejection. But to make you aware, um, I'm going to be preaching in West Virginia this coming Sunday at Calvary Temple in Fairmont, West Virginia, and so um, if you want to watch me online, I believe you can do that through Facebook and things like that. The church is called Calvary Temple, and it's in Fairmont, West Virginia, and so I'll be there. Um, As I've said before, I'm working on this book now, working on the the transcripts of making it into a book, and so be on the lookout for that. Also, you can check me out on my website, which is my name. PrestonShuttlesworth.com PrestonShuttlesworth.com And uh, through that website, if you would like to, you can partner with me at any level or give a one-time offering or love gift if you feel led to do so. Um, And I would thank you ahead of time for your giving if you choose to do that. Um, I'm going to be working on different ways to give because I know not everybody wants to go to a website and put in all their information and all that kind of stuff just to give. And so uh, I want to work on having a cash app and Venmo and and different ways to give just to make it easier for everybody. And um, and so that's going to be happening as well. And so a lot of events also in the summer, um, a lot of youth events, a lot of outreaches and things like that for the summertime, youth camps, youth rallies, uh, stuff like that. So lots lots going on. So be praying for me. And uh, I'll be back on the podcast very soon. I want to make these more often. And so you will hear from me very soon. Uh, But until then, I want you to know that I love you. God loves you. And I'll talk to you guys very soon. See you guys.